Warning, the following content is not politically correct. Viewer discretion is advised. Welcome in to Transform to Freedom, everyone. I am your host, Sarah Higdon. Uh, so uh, we got a great guest today, but first I have a little ad. And a little relief from rising gas prices. Get cash back on each fill-up using the Get Upside app. Download the app on your phone using the link in the description and get an extra 20 cents off per gallon back on your first tank using promo code AFF20. The app also offers cash back at select restaurants and grocery stores. As well, y'all, your girl is speaking at Freedom Fest this year. They are running a special of uh, when you buy your tickets, go into and type uh, friends 50 and you'll get $50 off uh, your, your tickets. So um, it's going to be a great event out in Vegas at the Mirage. So, my guest today is Editor-in-Chief of the Post-Millennial, Libby Emmons. Welcome in. Thanks, Sarah. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. So, we were both on Deprogrammed with Carrie Smith, what, two weeks ago now? Um, yeah. And you had, you had mentioned something that really stuck in my head when talking about, like, the current culture war and why we're seeing so much stuff happen. And it was kind of that that set the stage for this discussion. And you said, part of the issue we are seeing is that we have removed rites of passages to signify adulthood. You wanna explain that a little bit more? Yeah, so this is something that I was exploring a couple of years ago. I was doing, um, I was teaching a confirmation class at my church, which in Catholic in the Catholic church when you're about 13. Uh, wait, hold on one second. Thank you. My son is playing loud video games with his friends. <laughs> um, okay. So a couple of years ago, I started teaching the catechism class at my church, which is um, you prepare basically for seventh and eighth grade, do a lot of Bible study and prayer and things like that to prepare to take your confirmation. Um, and you take on a new name. You usually take on, uh, you take on a saint name um, that you identify with and whose story that you like and you accept essentially the role of adulthood in your church and you say you know prior to this moment my parents were responsible for making sure that i grew up in faith and now i am taking on that role myself so your parents drag you to church prior to that and after your confirmation the idea is that now you're going to church and pursuing the, the sacraments um, of your own volition you're an adult in the eyes of the church um, in the jewish faith you take your bar mitzvah, your bat mitzvah when you're 13. Again, you do a lot of Bible study, you read the Torah, um, and you take on your role as an adult um, in Judaism. When you're about 13 in a lot of Native American cultures, you get sent out into the woods uh, to, to pursue adulthood, to, to take on this role, to become an adult in your community. Um, Maori tribes, uh, the Maasai in Africa, there's a lot of cultures globally that around the age of 13 recognize this moment that you that you come into adulthood, that you're beginning, basically you're saying, I'm no longer a child, I'm going to be an adult, I'm working toward adult responsibility. In the US at this point, um, 
We don't really have that. We've taken faith away to a large degree. Christianity is in a lot of ways very frowned upon. Um, it's not something that culturally um, we pursue. We don't really pursue it as a society. Uh, and that's true for a lot of religions, you know. Um, it's just not it's just not the part of our cultural landscape in the same way that it was. And it's certainly not an assumed part of our um, social structure at this point. So yeah. what I started noticing was that all of these faiths, all of these communities globally have this rite of passage at about the same time. And this is also when so many kids start now, start coming out, uh, expressing publicly um, their intentions for sexual orientation or gender identity exploration or things like this. And it does feel very much like this is a kind of rite of passage. Um, yeah. You know, I'm seeing it. Yeah. And so th that's that's sort of where I started to get that idea was that we have replaced our religious traditions with a new religious tradition, so much so that gender in a lot of ways has replaced the concept of the soul. We used to have this yeah. idea that our soul was like this innate part of us that was never going to change, um, that was part of uh, part of God, you know, this idea. And now we have the idea that gender is innate. Gender is in fact so innate, we now believe that it can be completely contradictory to your body. Um, so yeah, so that's what I was thinking. Yeah, and I had never really heard it put in those ways because before that discussion, I would have said that I thought those rites of passages were kind of silly, even as growing up myself, you know? Uh, but I mean, I never did. I mean, a lot of people in my area, I guess we didn't do like the Sweet 16 parties and stuff like that, which is another for people that may not be going through a religious process. Sure. Um, but when you linked it to gender identity and what we're seeing in the current culture, it makes complete sense because I've heard a lot that we've taken religion out of society, which mm -hmm. is absolutely true. I just didn't think that those would have been what people wanted to signify adulthood. And you're right. It really has shifted over to when you come out. Mm -hmm. um, and I know I asked you this before we went on and do you think though, like some of the gatekeeping in the Christian and most faiths um, kind of has a little bit to play with this? Because I honestly was even told just today that because I have Catholic and transsexual in my bio on Twitter, that I can't be that. I can't be both. I can't be Christian. I can't be LGBT at the same time. So almost like we are pushing people out of faith. A little yeah, that's bit. insane. That's of course yeah. insane um god loves you obviously you yeah. know and your relationship with god and your relationship with faith is your own and absolutely no one should stand in the way of that i had um i was married for a very long time i'm no longer uh that's not my reality right now but anyway when i yeah. was married uh i was married by a gay monk basically um at a church in philadelphia uh Father Ben, absolutely excellent guy. Um, and my father was concerned. My father is an evangelical Christian, and he was concerned that he would not be permitted. My whole family was upset that we were getting married in a Catholic church. It was actually 
Like my aunt was funny. She was like, this is your rebellion. Your rebellion is getting married in a Catholic church in a big fluffy yeah. dress. You know, this is your <laughs> yeah. rebellion. Other, other people have to like run off and get tattoos, but your rebellion is getting married in, in a, you know, in a church. So my father was concerned when I told him that we were getting married in the Catholic church. And of course his second wife was the one who made me Catholic in the first place. So I was like, this whole thing's really your fault, you know? Um, if you'd stayed married to mom, we'd all be atheists right now. <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> so, um, so he was upset that I was getting married in the church. And he said to me, you know, your church won't, won't permit me to take communion, which is a sacrament in the Catholic church, as you know. Yep. Um, and I said, dad, uh, you know, I'm sure that that's insane. And he said, well, you should ask your priest about it. So, you know, very like, they're going to shut me out, Lib. Like, how could you get married? Yeah. The church is going to shut me out. And so I said to Father Ben, my father's concerned that uh, he's going to be denied communion. And Father Ben said, to, die, to deny anyone communion is an affront to the gospel. And I thought, right, this is, this is why you're marrying us. <laughs> like, this is why yeah. you're my priest. Um, exactly. He, he performed commitment ceremonies. This was back in the 90s. This was before this was real. You know, this was like accepted. He performed commitment ceremonies. He um, performed, um, you know, last rites at a hospice where people were dying of AIDS. And this, this felt to me very in line with my Catholic faith. Um, there were homeless people at my wedding, you know, cause we got married at a, at just a regular mass. And so for even years afterwards, I, homeless people would come up to me and be like, oh, I was at your wedding. And I'd be like, oh, great. You know, that's, <laughs> I'm glad, I hope you had a good day. Um, so yeah, that, to me, faith has nothing to do with exclusion. It has only to do with, um, extending grace, extending God's love to the best of our ability. To the, to the people around us, expressing that, you know, in the best way that we can, kindness. I believe fully that that every life is an opportunity to experience God's grace, whether it's yeah. whether it's a life that's five minutes long or 500 years. Um, yeah. So anyone who's told you that, like, I think that's total trash. I agree. I think they, yeah, they, should, I... Not be, they should not be Christian for shutting people out. You know, that's not reasonable. <laughs> Exactly. And that's one of those things that I don't know if it's the vast majority of actual Christians or it's just something that the media and everything's kind of played against us. That's a huge mm -hmm. issue that we see is, um, I, and I always tell people that the oldest building in Atlanta is the Catholic church that Sherman didn't burn to the ground because it was a church and they oh, have an cool. outreach booth at pride every month so or every year. Mm -hmm. So it's one of those things that normal Christians, I think, do generally um, accept and they know the teachings mm -hmm. of the Bible and everything like that. So well, even if I someone think... were to disagree with your lifestyle or anybody's lifestyle, my lifestyle, um, that's absolutely no reason to deny sacraments or to deny grace to that person. I mean, even if you disagree with it, what's mm -hmm. the best way? What's the best way is to include and to say, you know, come be part of faith. Um, yeah, I fully believe that. And so going back a little bit too, but do you think that that has kind of been an issue in, you know, the the losing of the culture war has kind of been some of our own doing? I think that it's interesting to talk about that. Um, if you think back to, and again, it's the 90s, but if you think back to Newt Gingrich, right, and his whole like Christian right thing, um, 
that was a very, that was like a very sort of confrontational Christianity that I remember at the time I was fully opposed to. Mm -hmm. um, and I don't think it did Christianity a lot of favors in the United States. When I talked to my mom about it, she's an atheist. Um, and she thinks that religion is essentially the root of all evil. And I'm like, no, it's not, but it's not God, mom. Like you don't have to yeah. be interested. You don't have to find religion to be an effective means of expressing God's love for us um, in order to, you know, be cool with God. Yeah. Like it's not, it's, it's not God. It's, you know, you don't have to like religion, yeah. but it's not God, you know? I can, so I can, I, I can actually, see what, what she was saying there too because myself like i see the catholic church very much like government in a lot of ways and i'm like i don't know i don't and that's why i'm almost at the point where i'm just like maybe i'm not catholic i still call myself catholic but i'm more just non-denominational christian because i believe in mm -hmm. jesus i believe in all that but i just don't like the hierarchy of the church it, it's too much like government and too much corruption like government so right. <laughs> and it can well, change and the pope was, can change everything right and yeah. it was a government right i mean the church ruled europe for a very long time that's true that is you know in a very true. governmental way if it weren't for the church banking would be very different like the church had a hold on one second dude <laughs> yo yo all right you're getting in my brain and making it hard for me to think thank you okay sorry <laughs> it's okay <laughs> He had a long day and now he's I'm letting him play video games. So well, that's that's good. Yeah, at some point my dog will probably bark, so it's okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but I'll tell you, like I see it and it's almost the same people though, like um the Christian right and 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 Republicans in general. They just lost the election and yet they're still trying to push people away because of stuff like this. Mm -hmm. And so they it's like, how do you win? It's like, how do you pull people back to our side in the culture war if you're going to continue to push them out of faith? One thing that's, I think, interesting is that a lot of liberal values have now sort of landed on the conservative side, which is how I ended up on the conservative side is um, suddenly free speech is a conservative issue. Mm -hmm. uh, and I'm getting concerned because now I'm seeing, uh, you know, book banning. And I'm like, that's that's not how that works. It's not how you do that. But um Free speech is now on the conservative side. Being anti-war suddenly is conservative. Have you noticed this? This is like yes. this new thing. Uh, all my conservative well, friends are other than neocons, right? But they're like establishment you know. GOP. They're not the new right type of people. Yeah, and I'm hope. You know, I I think I'm hopeful that on the new right side, there's room for anti-war free speech Christians who are much more interested in extending ideas of grace and kindness and um you know fraternity i guess to yeah. anyone who's interested in that as opposed to yeah. shutting people out yeah. that would be so my that would be my hope i agree so you so you came you you came from the left i always mm -hmm. preface that because you didn't that doesn't necessarily mean you came from the left it means you the left left you is what i kind of it how kind it works, of right? yeah it does kind of feel that way a lot of my positions are exactly the same as they've been for a long time i've always been like a dedicated free speech person with no exceptions just like totally in favor of speech um i spent a long time making theater i was a theater artist for a long time i studied playwriting at a master's level uh and you know when i was younger 
when it was necessary, I marched against the war. I marched for gay rights. I mean, I like, you know, yeah. a whole bunch of other things. I'm pretty sure I marched against the DNC um, because they weren't left enough at the time <laughs> for me. <laughs> you know? So I, I think I marched to free Mumia Abu-Jamal at one point, I'm pretty sure in Philadelphia, because I was in Philadelphia and we did that periodically. Um, yeah, so I definitely came out of that, that much more liberal tradition. And um, I'm still very anti-war. I'm still opposed to abortion, just like I was when I was on the left, because you that used to be okay, yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, so a lot of my positions are, are very similar to what they were. That's, that's always interesting. Yeah. yeah. And see, that's, that's even amazing. You know, is now you can't even, again, you can't be religious of being the left, you know? <laughs> right. You have to, you have to hate God or something, you know, you have to yeah. hate everybody. You have to hate and everyone see, who disagrees with you, which I think is just anti-liberal entirely. Absolutely. Uh, and, and see liberal, liberal means so many different things. And that's why I don't call the current uh, left liberals. I, I, I make a point to call them, of progressives because that's what they are they are further left than liberals ever were uh liberals mm -hmm. are still more moderates and i think a lot of the moderate dems the establishment dems are still more liberal um but pushing pushing further away I think um, that's right. what's what's really interesting is and, and and i mean i'm a registered libertarian so and i was the opposite i grew up a very conservative i was a tea party conservative through that oh, whole movement yeah, and actually, our chair of the Georgia or Georgia Libertarian Party, um, he likes to point out when we're sitting at a table of people that used to be left and now have become libertarians, that I'm the, I am the one that came from the right, sitting at the table, being who right. I am. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> it's always it's always funny, and it always gets some some questions because, but I think it is. I think the social issues are really what pushed me away. It was that, and uh, fiscally. I would being part of the Tea Party, I wanted less intrusion. I was a constitutionalist, mm -hmm. so I wanted less intrusion and smaller spending, like n no spending. And when we put people in office, they didn't do that. And that's what pushed mm -hmm. me away from the conservatives into the Libertarian Party. But as well, um, some of this pushing people away because of, you know, who they are and who they love and everything like that. Even though at the time, that was more of a bipartisan support issue mm -hmm. right <laughs> i mean who, donald trump was the first person that came into office supporting gay marriage so it's really mm -hmm. interesting how the, the polls are starting too, to shift he had, the, he had the first um uh gay cabinet member as well forget that trump didn't confirm anybody <laughs> you know it was like yeah instantly <laughs> that, that is true around. And, they, and they would never admit it anyways you know mm -hmm. um and um, that's why I was sad in the race for California because they weren't getting behind Rigonell because he was running for mm -hmm. governor of California and nobody really got behind him. Even though he was serving on such a high position in a place like California, he probably would have done pretty well. Yeah, I'm not sure. Um, I didn't know he was running. I only knew about what's his name, Larry Elder. I didn't even yeah, know. Unless he, was unless he dropped out. Um, when Larry mm -hmm. Elder announced, that might have been what happened. He okay. announced that he was going to run, then Larry Elder ran, but he and he wasn't going to run against um, mm -hmm. him. So I, that might have been what happened. Um, I'm not sure. But yeah, I'm not affiliated really with any political party at this point. 
I feel like yeah. I'm here and everybody's going to go this way or that way. And I'm still just going to be here, you know, but don't you, I mean, you probably get called all sorts of names by the left though, because being, being the editor in chief of post millennial, which is seen as this, you know, to them, it's seen as a Nazi newspaper. Right? Is it? It's really seen as a Nazi newspaper. I spent, I just work constantly. I don't know how we're perceived. I, we go to conferences and, you know, my, me and my team and we'll go, uh, check stuff out. We'll go to CPAC or whatever. And people are like, Oh, I love the post millennial. I'm always like, yay. People read us. Yeah. You know? Cause I, I love mean, my job. I love my crew. So. Yeah. I actually love, I, I love your stuff too, but it's like, it's very it, like, because it's so independent and it just tells the truth that you guys tell stories that other organizations aren't, aren't, you know, putting out there. Um, and so yeah. when you guys do that and you guys, and you, and you share a link, um, like somebody's like, Oh, what's your evidence? I post one of your articles. It's very much dismissed because it's this right wing, you know, alt right newspaper. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I'll definitely tell you, we're not alt right. Most of I, us are, I mean, most of us are former liberals, honestly. That's uh, what I mean. Look at yeah. our backgrounds. Um, a lot of us come out of the arts, you know, and yeah. here we are, we were left by the left. We continued to state what we see, you know, as honestly as we can. Um, yeah. We've been tracking culture wars. That's been a huge part of, I think, our identity as an outlet. Um, we yeah. see ourselves as a news and culture outlet. We see ourselves as center right. And um, I'm pretty happy with that. You know, we state clearly like we're center right. We're not saying yeah. that we're an objective wire service, for example. We're not saying that. You know, we're yeah. clear about what we're doing and what we're about. Um, yeah. So yeah, that's interesting. But yeah, there there's been there's been name calling. There's been, you know, your random threats from anonymous Twitter accounts and things. And it's like, meh, meh. Yeah. What are you supposed to do with that? You know, like I'm way too busy to deal with um, worrying about what other people think of me. Yeah. I always tell people if I worried about what other people thought of me, I wouldn't be able to do this job because the comment sections are just crazy sometimes. You know? Right. Yeah. Who cares? Like you got to do your thing, you know? Yeah. And a lot of times people who say stuff, it's like, go get your own platform, go do a thing, go say it, go say it loud. If you want, you know, that's fine. Yeah. When I, when I was in theater, there's always this thing when you're a playwright, you do like playwriting workshops. Um, and inevitably you end up in some playwriting workshop, you bring your play in, you have actors, everybody reads it and talks about the play. And inevitably there's someone who's giving you, um, you know, feedback and you're just like, that's not my play. That's the play you want to write or want me to write but that's your thing. That's not my thing. Yeah. I feel that way a lot of times about the comments, like, oh, that's the podcast you want to do. That's not the pod. That's the article you want to write. I'm not, that's not what I'm writing. You go do yeah. that. You know, exactly. I had that's someone reach speech. out to me. Yeah. I had someone reach out to me months ago about, um, there was a, they pitched a story to me and they were like, you should do this story. And I was like, that's not a story for me, but you go ahead and do it if you want to do it. And they were like, all oh, pissed off at me as though I wasn't doing my job. And I'm like, I get, so many tips all the time. I take yeah. some. I mostly don't take any. I have stuff that I'm pursuing. You know, that's just how that goes. Yeah. But sure. That's what I do. There's enough platform for everybody, right? Like there's yeah. plenty of platform out there. I, I mean, if I if I have something that comes to mind, I I actually write an article and submit it, you know? <laughs> right. Right. Go and for so it. <laughs> it's like it's like why 
why am I? I don't understand. I don't get that. Like, you should write this. Like, why don't you write it if you want to put it out there? You know, yeah. put your name on it if you want, because you're the one that's going to take the criticism if it's if if they don't like it, right? I'm I'm interested in your take on on something. Um, yeah. So you're in Atlanta. Yep. The NCAA women's swimming is in Atlanta right now. Mm -hmm. And Leah Thomas just won the um, won the freestyle 500. Yep. I just you... saw that. I absolutely cannot stand Leah Thomas. Really? <laughs> yeah, I, I I can't stand her. I already had your I already had it in the queue. Oh, that's us. <laughs> that's you. Wait, can you scroll down? Is that the story I was trying to look at right before we? Is oh, it... that was the prelim. No, I wrote that one too. Yeah, I wrote that yeah. one today. Uh, Hannah Nightingale was just working on one about a swimmer who um, was actually spoke out which is fascinating without being anonymous. Yeah. So, which I absolutely love. I can't stand, um, well, I, I can't stand Leah Thomas in general, um, just her smugness and attitude and, and everything really just gets me. Um, and I am probably going to do a reaction video with this on this, uh, tomorrow as well. Um, I would be uh, interested to see that. Yeah. Cause I did a reaction video about her when she broke the records and, mm -hmm. It absolutely I don't I don't like it because I'm a former athlete and I I still know that I have um I have an advantage every time I step in the gym. I can feel it. I mean I can see it on a spin bike. I've asked people that have been doing spin for years, I've been doing it for a year, and I just come in and completely like my times would put me in the 80th percentile among women i'm like this wouldn't be fair i've only been training for a year on this and some people right. have been doing this their whole lives right. um and then her like i said her whole attitude like um there was the trip that they went to florida where mm -hmm. they were told not to wear their gear because of her and she was wearing u-pen stuff everywhere um yeah and then what really pisses me off and um i did a i did a, a spot talking about this on one of ariel scarcella's videos like two weeks ago um because in the locker room she is showing her junk and that is absolutely insane to me like that shows me that, that that gives me doubts of her even her having gender dysphoria because in that lack of respect it's i i called her a self-righteous asshole in the video because that is not something that you do especially if you want to be accepted by women i've been wondering sense. like i've been starting to been sort of having this crazy idea that like maybe what thomas is doing is intentionally exposing this whole thing like six what? foot yeah. tall extremely you know extremely gifted in the in the pool on the women's side anyway after placing yep. the 400s on the men's side um fully intact you know which i think is totally fine to be fully intact but it's like there hasn't been this extra weird thing made you know this like extra effort made or whatever um and it's sort of it's sort of fascinating because it's just so obvious. You can even see Linda Blade, who's um, a coach as well, was talking about it today. I think it was Linda Blade talking about how you can see um, you can't see Thomas kicking, right? Uh, yeah. Thomas is in the pool. Legs are under the water. Um, women swimmers bounce up to the top a little more. Yeah. Um, they, you can see their feet, their feet come out of the water. They've got that extra resistance when they're, they're kicking. Thomas's feet are under the water. 
um, it just is so, it's almost like so much more apparent in swimming somehow than it was in, I think, basketball on the North Carolina team um, yeah. a couple of years ago. It's just like, it's wild. It's just wild to see that. Yeah, it, it, it is. Well, what's interesting is short-term swimming um, is a lot different. Um, but mm -hmm. long-term swimming, like like ultra marathons and stuff, when it comes to ultra like that, I guess actually women have faster times than men. It's the only sport that women outperform men because of the mm -hmm. buoyancy and they, they can move through the water at long distances for uh, longer periods of time, I guess, because men sink in the water because right. they're, they're, yeah. Um, they have a, they have more bone density. Yeah, but obviously short-term swimming is all more about power and muscle so that's why you see it and and so this is what's interesting is um i know who you're talking about uh, coach blade uh yeah follow her as well and she um well and then so because i've done so much stuff on leah thomas um i was talking about it for most of this year when i was on like chrissy Mayer's podcast i think i called her i think i said she looks like michael phelps in a one piece when i was on with uh, siraj hashman and habibi okay. <laughs> That is funny. <laughs> um, yeah. And so, but I'll tell you, um, oh, where was I going with that? Oh, because it pops up and it says that the average times between men and women is 11%. There's a 11% there's reduction in uh, performance between men and women. Leah Thomas lost 2.3% of her performance which is why she went from being ranked number almost 500 to number one mm -hmm. because mm -hmm. and that if that doesn't show an advantage in sports i don't know what does um right and at the same time it is i i i said on chrissy Mayer the only way that um this is going to change is if the swimmers take a stand which they would be brave right. to do but well that's interesting because no go ahead no, no, go ahead. That's what Beth Seltzer was saying of Save Women's Sports. And she was out there today protesting um, with Posey Parker and other women as well, talking about how this was just unfair. Um, and she's saying that women athletes need to just sit down. And we were talking about this the other day in New York. Um, we were talking on a panel. And I was wondering if, um, if anyone would really care if women stopped playing sports, you know? Like That's, women already I, don't get a lot of funding. They don't get a lot of attention. There was, no. um, you know, there's concerns about, <laughs> there wouldn't be Title IX if women were getting a fair shake in athletics anyway. So if Absolutely. women just all gave up, all that money could just go back to men's sports where everyone wants it anyway. Would anyone even care if women bowed out? It's sort of interesting too, because when you look at, um, issues of like surrogacy, for example, which is becoming widely accepted. Um, this idea that you can rent a woman, not just by the hour, but you know, for nine whole months, you can rent her body and her reproductive system for your, uh, you know, for your pleasure, essentially, you know, you want to have a child, you're going to, you don't want to have to do it yourself, or you're not capable of doing it. Um, no one really seems to care that women are uh, being turned into these rented gestation machines and that we are manufacturing motherless children, it seems perfectly fine with the left, uh, with progressives. It seems perfectly acceptable. They're out there 
you know, protesting Brett Kavanaugh and their Handmaid's Tale things, and they are creating the circumstances under which women and their reproductive systems will be further oppressed. And they're comfy with that. They're super chill with that. It's, it's progressive and it's inclusive um, to rent women in developing nations. Uh, if you look at like Ukraine now, right? So mm -hmm. there's all of these babies because Ukraine is a place where a lot of um, people go for surrogates. They go there, they buy eggs. Um, I think it was, I forget what podcast it was, but it was several years ago. It might have been Radiolab, might have been Radiolab. Mm -hmm. Anyway, they were talking about how a lot of people who are, uh, you know, manufacturing children go to Ukraine to get eggs because they can get cheap white eggs. That was like the, I think the title of the podcast was cheap white eggs. So you can buy cheap white eggs from Ukraine. You can buy women and rent them there. Um, they can gestate your children and then you can send them back to, you know, wherever it is that you live. Um, and there's like all of these, there's dozens of surrogates in Ukraine who don't know how their babies are, or the other person's babies are going to get out once they have the children. And there's all these babies there that are stuck that were supposed to get shipped off to their parents, wherever, wherever the hell their, their purchasers are, you know, um, yeah. you can tell from my language, I'm not in favor of surrogacy. I'm hugely in favor of adoption. I think adoption is great. Yes. If you want to complete your family, there are so many lovely kids out there and you can just go love them. You know, it wouldn't be hard to just go love these children. Um, you can even get them from developing countries if you want. That's a thing, that's a thing too. You yeah. Know, you're looking for that. Um, but yeah, I think um, no one seems to care that women are being erased from motherhood. I don't know that women, that anyone would care if women were erased from sport. Um, yeah. It, it no one cares that like, question. yeah, women just get pushed out of the way. And what's interesting to me about that is, you know, and you can tell I come from the left, What's interesting to me about that is, isn't, isn't that what we were saying, you know, the patriarchy was doing this whole time, suppressing yeah. women, objectifying them. And now women are not just objectified as a whole, they are objectified for their parts. Yeah. You know, they are used for yeah. their parts. It's like everyone, everyone talks about the racism that was involved in, uh, you know, employing enslaved women to be wet nurses. And now we're, we're taking their milk, sure. We're taking their bodies. Um, surrogacy is incredibly dangerous. And, you know, because it's a, when you implant another woman's egg into a womb that's not that woman's womb, um, I believe that there's like lots of issues of rejection because it's not yours. So it's like, yeah, uh, it's like if you take somebody else's liver and put it in your body, you have to like worry about or, like transplant rejection. That's yeah. true with um, that's true with embryos that aren't yours. Also, that's true with eggs that aren't yours. Is it is it I, I would have to look that up. Is it higher, though, with um, that than it is typical miscarriage? Rates? Like IVF, like IVF yeah. or something. What do you mean? Um, so like, I know if, that if surrogacy just... is remarkably dangerous and so is IVF, yeah. but IVF is your own eggs. Oh, yeah. So I, I mean, your body so... doesn't reject your own eggs. It rejects yeah. somebody else's. Well, yeah. So um, it's a little bit different because um, I, I don't think I've ever talked about this on stream. Me and my ex-wife went through IVF multiple times. Um, 
because her natural killer cells would reject. And that was our biggest issue trying to have oh, kids. Oh, really? Interesting. Yes. Um, and it's interesting you bring this up because I was just fighting on Twitter um, about this. And I actually, I, I disagree with you to a point. I didn't, I, there is an ethical question when, when talking about like just people like farms, like you were talking about. And like, that's a little bit different than if you have, if you're using surrogacy here, like in the U S with somebody that, you know, and they, they offer to help you have a baby. I think, I think there's a, there's a little bit different efficacy there. Um, but also the libertarian in me says, if it's the same kind of issue, if it's consensual, what's the issue type thing. So that's where I kind of well, come with it. <laughs> what about the idea that you can sell yourself into slavery? Is that, is that okay for libertarianism? I'm pretty sure that you're not allowed to do that in the United States. You're not allowed to say, um, I will be your slave and have no will of my own. But that Good is, question. is that is that something that's libertarian? Is that an acceptable position? I think to a certain extent, um, there are vulnerable, vulnerable people who should be protected. I do think that it's much more complicated than just saying like, you know, women are vulnerable and need to protect, be protected from X. Um, and so, as you were saying, I do think there's a big difference between like Nepalese surrogacy farms yeah. and, um, you know, a volunteer situation. I'm fully opposed to commercial surrogacy. I would say yeah. that. Um, I can agree with commercial surrogacy would be ethically wrong. Yes, I agree. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it's just not, yeah. And that's not the conversation we were necessarily having on Twitter because no. it just dives into deeper. So, you know. <laughs> Right. Twitter, um, Twitter is not really the place for death. You know, we try. Especially these types of conversations, because right. um, when you put it into a different perspective, it makes you it makes you think about it a little bit more. And that's not the perspective that it was being put at. It was basically being a woman can rent her, her womb or we can't sell organs. I'm like, but shouldn't we be able to sell our organs if we have bodily autonomy, no matter who it is? I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I think you're not allowed to sell your organs. You're not. Um, You're, yeah, but, I think in, but it happens. in most parts of the world, it does happen. And I think probably people, you know, sell their babies too. And that happens whether, yeah. you know, even if it's not surrogacy, there's, there's sure, surely a yeah. rollicking black market in body parts. <laughs> like that must yeah, exist. absolutely. Yeah. And I, I think, I mean, uh, most of the time, most of the surrogacy stuff that I've heard is usually the, the family that's um, adopting the baby or wh whose baby it is um, pays all the medical bills. And that's kind of it, which is kind of the same as having your own child, just using somebody else for their womb. But I mean, you hear stories when somebody gives somebody a kidney and then they're like, Hey, how much are you going to give me for it type thing, you know, and it happens. So, um, and I don't know if it's wrong to say that we shouldn't be doing that. Um, but it's just a it's a it's an interesting ethical question <laughs> i think that i mean i think the concern comes where um it becomes so easy to exploit right yeah it becomes so easy to exploit a person whose body parts or or you know that you're buying essentially or renting um yeah and it becomes easy to be exploited right because you say to yourself well i do have two kidneys i do need twenty thousand dollars so perhaps I should do this. Yeah. You know, I do have a womb. I also have bills to pay. Yes, I have two other children. Uh, maybe I can I can rent my body out in order to help those other children. Um, yeah. So to a certain extent, do we protect people against exploitation? In a lot of cases, 
Yes, we do. We do them against exploitation. Correct. Yeah. yeah, we do. I mean, because I, I could, you could almost put it in the same thing as like legalizing sex work, which mm -hmm. I would be in favor of if it's a consensual sex work. I think it reduces a lot of this. Um, it would actually reduce a lot of the black market. You know, a lot of the crime that goes along with that. So I, you could almost uh, see it the, the same way as sex work. That's why I, I would look at it. Like something like the Nordic model. Is that what you're thinking? Yeah. Yeah. Like, um, is, I mean, if you, if you, instead of jailing the people that are be basically selling their body, it is their body and it's bodily autonomy to be able to do that. Um, I think mm -hmm. that, yeah, you can have regulated brothels like they have in Vegas and it reduces a lot of that street prostitution, which also comes with drug, with also, which also comes to gang violence and everything like that. Yeah. A lot of violence. Yeah. In that. So then the question becomes with sex work, right? Like, let's say you hire a woman, um, you know, or a man to engage in sex acts with you and you pay the money. You're in the place wherever this, you know, wherever this transaction is uh, happening and you decide you're the buyer, right? You're the buyer. Mm -hmm. You say that there's something that you want and the person that you already paid says that they don't want to do that thing. You hadn't discussed it previously, but it certainly isn't something that you thought was off the table. They refuse to do the thing and you take it from them. Let's say you force them into it. Um, is that rape or a breach of contract? Yes. Is it rape or is it a breach it would of contract? Be, it would be both. Really? It would be both. Yeah. I think, I think that, it would be both. I, I think, I think you end up with interesting questions there. That is an interesting um, question. Are, I've never heard it asked that. What are you entitled <laughs> to? You know, what are you entitled to once you, once you make this purchase? What do you get? Um, yeah. Do you get what, you know, what if you want to change the rules partway through, you know, yeah. then what happens? Which, which I would, I, I've never, I, I've never really dove too deep into that, but I would assume that the agency makes the rules. Um, and if you, it would be a, it would be a crime if you broke them, I, I would think. What if you're a free agent? You know? you know, what if you're a free agent? What if it's just well, you see, out that's, there? that's the other thing. Though, you're right? not managed. What if you're not unionized? Do we have a well, union then? <laughs> you know, ask, like, ask it the same way. We have we have sugar babies and sugar daddies, and that's completely legal. What's the difference between that and prostitution? Um, how legal <laughs> how legal does that get? I mean, is it is it legal to to be in a relationship where somebody pays you for sex? I think that's prostitution. But if you're not being rented by the hour, if it's like a salaried position, maybe it's different. You yeah. know, also probably they don't, <laughs> I bet they don't have a contract. You know what I, mean? <laughs> I, don't oh. know. I mean, there's so many fascinating questions when you talk yeah. about what you are entitled to sell of your body and what you're entitled to buy of others' bodies. Because also, you know, you're, you're allowed to sell your labor. You're allowed to like go out there and work for Starbucks or whatever else. Yeah. Um, but you're also allowed to unionize. So should we have yeah. surrogacy unions? They you're should. not going to be in a surrogacy union for very long. You're not allowed to do that really per, per the agencies. You're not allowed to do that more than I think like twice. Well, yeah. Because it's I mean, highly dangerous. I would, I would say any of those organizations, if they wanted to unionize, they should, because that's just negotiating your, your rights and contracts and stuff. I mean, mm -hmm. every organization does. 
you know, it's just a collective, yeah. it's just a collective negotiations. Um, I mean, it's it's very similar to what porn stars do right now, anyways. Are there are porn star unions? There ought to be, right? I, I guess. I believe there's porn star unions because they make sure that everybody's tested and safe. Mm -hmm. it's very much like or, actors yeah. unions and stuff too like actors like stuff like that they're unionized per shows and but they're part of the union all the time but then i mean all those rights kick in when but they're a, actually on shows but they're independent contractors though. a lot of people aren't aren't in the union and there's a lot of yeah. shows um and films that um don't go by union rules so that they can be perhaps more libertarian on set yeah like the yeah, COVID you, well, compliance for the acting for for actors unions has been insane. Yeah. So I've seen people like you know not unionize their film shoot because they don't want to wear masks all day or whatever you know. Yeah, and we see what happened. Well, the biggest story with that is the Russa. Right, but um, yeah. that wasn't about masking. That was about being no, complete idiot it, about gun safety. Well, well, but but yeah, it was. But they deunionized um, the crew, and that's mm -hmm. kind of led to some of the safety issues on set because of it. So that's interesting. Yeah, yeah, that's a disaster. That's such a disaster. <laughs> yeah, after years of being in theater, and like, I remember the first set that I worked on with with guns, and there was there was no ammunition on set at all. There was no, yeah, you know, nothing. Um, and I remember at one point I picked up a gun. I didn't have my finger anywhere near the trigger, nothing. And the armorer, um, who was actually one of the actors, was like, what are you doing? You can't hold it, stop, stop, stop. He like freaked yeah. out. And we had like a whole thing. Uh, and everyone was then terrified after that to hold the gun the wrong way because Polly yeah. was gonna freak out at us. Yeah, well, I mean, I live, I mean, I live in Atlanta. I, I know a lot of people in the industry and uh, I've had some of these conversations with them as well. So it is really interesting because of what happened there, but um, mm -hmm. I'm not sure. So shifting directions, <laughs> this is a great segue talking about prostitution and stuff. And then moving into, into Florida's don't say gayville. <laughs> oh, sure. Let's do that. I think you're not allowed to say prostitution. It's really, you know, hey kiddos. Do you know about sex work? Don't be a swerf. That'd be really funny. Well, but 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 that's actually true. I think the bill does prohibit yeah. <laughs> them from talking and about you know, this type I of stuff. It should. It, it's interesting. I remember uh, there was a question in Germany a while back. So Germany, Germany, I think um, there was legalized prostitution, and then people were like on the on the unemployment. You know. I don't know what they call it in Germany, but people were taking unemployment insurance when they were unemployed. And there was like a question, if you were on unemployment and you were offered a position doing sex work, did the government have the right to deny you unemployment if you didn't take it? Interesting. If prostitution is legal and you're on unemployment and you could get a job as a prostitute, then why are you taking unemployment, right? Shouldn't you just, get on your back you know what or though? your knees i don't know like pick your pick <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah but that's... we can talk about we could talk about the uh <laughs> the anti-grooming anti bill in florida yes let's, as we've let's been talk calling about... it as we've been calling it yeah. yeah so that's the interesting thing though is I took that stance. I made a video on it and said that mm -hmm. it was more of an anti-grooming bill because I read the bill and I pointed out I pointed out some key points in it. And it doesn't say gay. It right. 
it actually really doesn't even have much to do with homosexuality in general because the stuff that you're not allowed to talk about you're not allowed to talk about if you're straight either so Mm -hmm. is it the don't say straight gay bill i don't know right (laughs) it's sort of the you know don't introduce children into a sexual lifestyle Mm -hmm. bill that's exactly Um, what it is yeah it's three pages it's three pages long um and you know i think that i think it's interesting because um People are so mad about it that they came up with a moniker for it that is completely inaccurate. And then everyone mm-hmm. ran a million op-eds based on that yeah. moniker. The bill is three pages. And it's remarkable how few people have read the it's three pages. You know? Yeah. And a bunch of the pages, a bunch of the words are the same words repeated because it's legislation and you have to be super specific every time you say something, right? And not only that, um, it has the same part over here as it's the same Mm -hmm. thing it's the same it's just in different stuff you know yeah so it's not even that long no it's really not that long it's Um, it's probably like three paragraphs honestly when you actually look at it it's like that the main meat of it's like three paragraphs it's not yeah you're right nobody's read it you're like did you read it block (laughs) or like all the people who just start uh saying like like what was it um who was it stupid mark hamill and I love Star Trek. Oh. I mean, Star Wars. I love Star Trek wow. too. Like I love Star Wars. And it's I do so too. Like, so yeah, it's like when you watch. I, I hate hearing what actors think. You know, I'm always kind of like, just don't say what you think because, just don't say what you think. I don't want to know what you think. I just want to see. You know, you carry a blaster around. I don't need to know what you think. Um, yeah. Yeah. That's... So he wrote like gay a million times, and it was, you know divergent and and controversial you know even though yeah. the, the bill doesn't say anything about um what adults can do or say in their own lives and nor should nor should it so yeah. this bill i thought was really interesting because what it basically says is that teachers cannot introduce these ideas unless it's age appropriate and they definitely can't do it before third grade yeah um i'm you know i'm a parent i have one child um i talked to him about he asked me where babies come from when he was like i think four years old and i've long had a policy of just being as honest as i can be with the child so that he trusts me and knows that i'm not going to tell him lies right so you you say things in age appropriate ways well here's how you know when a mom and dad really love each other and they decide that they want to have children, you know, and like we went through. Yeah. Um, there are age appropriate ways to talk about these things and they are not the purview of teachers in public schools. Um, yep. It's just not what the school is there for. This is what parents need to be doing. Parents need to talk to their kids about sex. Parents need to talk to their kids about their bodies, about trusting their bodies, about, you know, listening to their own impulses, like all of this stuff. This is the purview yeah. of parents. And I think that what the Florida legislature did is they said, children belong to parents. Children are not the property of the state. It is not up to the state to give children a moral foundation at all. It is not up to the state to tell children, um, you know, what their sexual lifestyle should be about or what the options are for sexual lifestyles. That's not for teachers to do. And I think that's a good thing. Um, I agree. I'm, you know, I'm comfortable with it. Uh, the amount of weird shit that my kid comes home with from public school 
is a lot. And I'll be like, actually, let's talk about that. Let's reconsider it. You know, let, let me give you the real information about this stuff. Um, and it, you know, that matters. Not every parent is going to do that. Not every parent is going to give kids the information they need in the first place. Yeah. But it's certainly not up to the state to determine um, what children should know about that, especially in lower grades. At a certain point, yeah. yes, we need sex ed. Obviously, children need to know that stuff at a certain point. And that needs to be, this is how your body works. This is how reproductive, re reproductive yeah. systems work. It doesn't need to include things about pleasure. It's it a, yeah, need to it's a biology class. About, right. It's a biology class. It's a biology class. Yeah, you're right. Um, it doesn't need to include that stuff. Yeah. Like the, the how, the who, what's in. And my sex ed class wasn't like, it wasn't like what you would typically see in like movies and stuff like that. No, it was. Mm -hmm. It was just, this is your body. I don't even remember. This is how much, it was. I just know yeah. we didn't do any of that weird stuff. <laughs> I remember being totally traumatized by, by my sex ed class. I think it was in fifth grade. Um, I was traumatized by it. They, they yeah. divided up the boys and the girls. Um, and then I went home and I asked my stepmom about everything. And she was forthright and direct. Yeah. You know? Yeah. yeah. But this, this goes back to what we were talking about with religion and with morality. Right. Um, I think that we do need to have a foundation and the further we move away from Christian values as a default, I think the worse off our kids will be because they're going to search for meaning. They're going yeah. to wonder what their purpose is in life. They're going to wonder what it is that's inside of them that is making them yearn or desire, um, you know, or feel a higher power they're going to wonder what that is and if we say that it's gender which you know our feminist mothers would have told us is a t is a social construct and now we are saying gender is innate gender is something unchangeable immutable um but biological sex apparently is changeable we've reversed this instead yeah. of instead of saying to kids your body is great you're beautiful how you are express yourself how you see fit yeah well it, and, and part of it when it especially when it comes to like this it's it's not only do we remove religion we've created schools and the schools are now thinking that they are the moral standing to Correct. teach basically their religion onto kids they're teaching postmodernism, um you mm -hmm. know to kids and that's what's causing a lot of this too um it's pushing it's putting ideas into their head that something you know that you can do this and this is and so they're, it's almost forcing kids, even if their parents are religious, to, you know, step away from the faith because these types of things don't align with the faith. So it's like Well, and that happened in time. Florida. There was, yeah, there was a case yeah. in Florida where um, a girl was uh, socially transitioning at school. And it was only after she tried to kill herself that her parents became aware of this. And it turned out that the teachers had told her uh, not to talk to her parents about this because her parents were um, Catholic and wouldn't understand and wouldn't love her. And when the dad found out about this, he was like, yeah, we're Catholic, we love our kids. What are you, what are you talking about? You, you completely misunderstood my religion. Um, yeah. yeah, it was, I think it was Clay County. And there's an- This, there's is, this is the article. Of, yeah, yeah, there's been a lot of circumstances, a lot of cases where schools have gone along with gender transition social gender transition for kids not told the parents about it kept it secret from the parents uh driving a wedge into families 
driving a wedge yeah. between parents and kids. And I've talked to so many moms who have dealt with this and are trying desperately to regain the relationship they had with their, their children. And a lot of it is that they have now spent two years having the school keep secrets about their children's mental and physical health from them. You and know, that's insane years. to me. Yeah. Right. And, and I, before I even saw this article, and I mean, you've been reading my mind all day, right? Because <laughs> I actually had the article ready to go. That's why I was kind of moving into that direction. Um, so, um, but that's, I, I saw this a few weeks ago when it was that, um, I made a video on this. It was the, uh, the transition closet where you wear the, your right. your stuff to school, your regular clothes to school, and then change when you get to school. And right. that's actually, I said this in the video. I said, you need, it's, parents need to know, if anything, mm -hmm. to get them mental health counseling because they're obviously yeah. going through something. Whether, so they need, their job is to get them the mental health care that they need. And the school is, pre uh, is preventing that. I said in that video, I said, now, what do you think is going to happen if one of these students commits suicide and the right, school hit the, that? Uh, and I didn't know that this this article was already out there. Like it had. Ha yeah, yeah, it's already happening. Yeah. So, yeah, I talked to another mom who um, her daughter was very depressed and upset and all of these things decided that she was transgender. The school went along with it. Uh, child services went along with it and took her child away from her. Um, shortly thereafter, her child threw herself in front of a train and wow. killed herself. This is in California. It's, a, it's, it's absolutely devastating. What business does the school have getting in between loving parents and kids? Now, if there's signs of abuse, uh, that's yeah. something that needs to be addressed, obviously. And this don't say gay bill, as it were, you know, the anti-grooming bill, is it very addresses. clear that yeah. this does not replace um, seeing abuse and dealing with it. But yeah. the transition closet reminds me very much of when I was in middle school and high school. Um, I went to a Catholic school for a few years uh, and girls would come to school without makeup on and wearing perfectly normal length skirts. And as soon as they got to school, there, there's Doug. As soon as they got to school, you said, you promised, and there it is. <laughs> As soon as the girls would get to school, they would put on makeup in the bathroom. They would hitch up. They would roll up their skirts so that they were wearing mini skirts. Um, and by the logic of the transition closet, the transition closet should be providing, you know, slutty clothes to middle schoolers and makeup and like helping them figure out how to like really wrench down their shirts. You know, this is what yeah. this is what should be going on. Like. Why are we only doing this for trans kids? Why aren't we doing this for slutty straight kids who, you know, who want to be slutty? I'm being, I'm being facetious. I'm messing around. Yes. But yeah. <laughs> why aren't we, why aren't we facilitating uh, revealing clothes for girls who really feel that they need to be extra femme? You know, yeah. where, where, where are the insurance companies funding? Um, you know, butt lifts and collagen implants and breast augmentation for 15 year old girls who really want to look more, more womanly, right? Like, where's the fem yeah. genderization surgery for these kids? Why aren't they getting all of this? You know, yeah. 
Now, um, where are the stiletto I, I heels in the transition closet for the girls who really want to shake it? You know, that's a good question. Like, I, I agree, one hundred percent agree. Like, yeah. Now, that is Go one of the things when it comes to the trans surgery debate is I, I, there's been stories, and I completely disagree with this type of stuff too. But it's like there's been stories in the past where uh, girls would get you know breast implants for their 16th birthday and that's always been a controversial topic especially among like the leftists yeah. and now it's like now I they're think pushing that's super weird too i think way. that's super weird because when you're 16 like what you don't need breast implants when you're 16 because you're not done yet yeah like you're yeah, gonna get you're probably gonna get more you know yeah. i didn't uh personally i didn't wear a bra until i was in college because it was just not necessary there was like nothing going on and personally i was happy about that i was like yay this is great i don't have to yeah. do this shit. um but you're not done when you're 16. you got like plenty of room to have some natural enhancements if that's what you're looking for like yeah. wait till you're 25 you know I've never, yeah, and, and my, my thing is is like i mean over the age of 18 i don't care what you do you're an, you're an adult but uh, I don't think we should be giving anybody surgery under the age of eighteen. Anybody, not not elective, not elective, <laughs> well, elective for sure. Surgery, yeah, I see, yeah, I don't see surgery. any reason for elective surgery. Yeah, that makes sense. So, and there's a number of barbarisms that that you can do. Like there's surgery, um, there's a surgery that you can get for your children if you're worried your children are going to be too short, where they break the legs and then piece it back together. They put the bones just a little apart. And then that yeah. heals, and then they do it again and again, so that you're taller. You know, you can do yeah. that. That seems barbaric. Just be short, for God's sakes. Well, just be you know, short. I'm okay with it. You know, <laughs> like, I was. I mean, I'm I'm very short too. So, um, I actually had somebody that I met on Twitter be like, "You are a lot smaller than I thought you were gonna be." When I met them, I'm like, "Well, that's thank you." Um, but no, I was. Um, my parents thought about putting me on HGH because I was going to be in the very low percentile, which is something that they do as well. So it's like, where, where, where do we stop though? I think that's, we've gone down the slippery slope for so long. It's like, where does it stop? Like, where can we, yeah. can we, can we, can we stop it? Like, you know, maybe it's um, now, maybe it's infertility, you know, stopping kids from ever being able to have kids when they can't consent to this, you know? Um, the thing too, that I find really troubling is that, um, children are permitted to go on cross-sex hormones and have surgeries prior to having a, a first sexual experience. And it's as though we feel that people stop, you know, that their development stops. And so I'm, you know, I'm in my mid forties. Uh, things constantly change. Your body keeps changing. Um, you know, the feeling of your skin keeps changing. Things just keep changing. As my mom says, um, as soon as you're comfortable with your body, it changes, you know, so there's yeah. no reason to believe that the way you feel when you're 13, and there's absolutely no reason to believe that the way you feel when you're 13 or 18 or 40 is going to stay that way forever. You're just constantly changing. Um, yeah. And so, you know, you can make all kinds of decisions, but prior to having your first sexual experience, eliminating the ability to have sexual pleasure just seems like such a crime. Yeah. Um, it just, I mean, that just seems like so wrong, you know, like sexual pleasure, I think is, is, is one of the gifts that we get for being human. It's, it's one of the things we get that's, it's not bad. <laughs> There's like nothing really bad about it, you know? Um, I mean, I guess there can yeah. be sure, but whatever. Um, 
getting rid of sexual pleasure for for your lifetime does not seem like anything someone who had experienced it would consent to uh prior yeah. to having it you know it just seems like it's, wait till you're an adult yeah. to decide to be a monk you know don't start when you're a kid exactly exactly i, I think that's that's a good way to put it um because it's not even as much the surgeries because like i mean that's it's on the chat like they are happening um we know at least for young women now um sexual reassignment surgery is not necessarily happening on trans boys younger than 18 i don't think but women are getting their breasts removed very young as young as 14 they were doing them in texas before the new law passed that's right so, yeah you saw sydney watson's video about that that was crazy yeah yeah and um yeah i i that's insane to me like it's like mm -hmm. why like and it, it, it what doesn't and i'm a little bit biased when it comes to um male to female transitions younger because testosterone is the powerful drug mm -hmm. why do you have to have surgery when it's not uh, that so young why can't you wait um i think male to uh, female to male you can wait as well because testosterone will if you go on testosterone as an adult it will erase most of the effects that um growing up female changed whereas it's a lot harder to shrink your size and you get people like leah thomas who's a giant mm -hmm. i mean there are giant women for sure <laughs> yeah. there's there's very there's very tall women that are out there uh um, yeah, I don't think that it's appropriate to do it to children. And I don't think that it's yeah. appropriate for teachers to let kids know that maybe their bodies are lying to them and that their fantasies are true. My son yeah. wanted to be like all kinds of crazy things, you know, like for a while he thought, what was it? He was into PJ masks and he thought he was that he was like, yeah. you know, he thought he was a robot for a while. I can't remember what it was like when I was that young. I mean, I knew when I was about four years old that there was something different about me. Um, but I don't think I would have ever been able to come to this conclusion when I was a teenager. Mm, I just don't. Um, I don't know. But it's a different time. So I, I just don't know if I could have processed it through even with a therapist to get to this point. So it's you realize that when you were that young, you were pretty vulnerable to what somebody told you so if you were yeah. saying all this stuff then they would and they told you you were trans that you would go with that i know? really didn't i really did not want to have children when i was a teenager i was for sure never going to have kids um i didn't want to get married i didn't want to be a mom um i didn't want to be anybody's wife i didn't want anything like that at all mm -hmm. uh and i you know if you had said to me when i was like 17 hey, you could take your uterus out and you can, you know, have sex without concern about pregnancy and you can, um, you know, go about your life without having to ever think about having kids. I would have been like, you know, that's really a, that's kind of a great idea. Um, yep. I'm, you know, I'm not trans, uh, but like I could have been very easily convinced to have a surgery of that type. I fell mm -hmm. in love. I got married. I still didn't want to have kids. Yeah. I was very opposed. You know, I didn't I didn't want to have yeah. a child until I was about 33 or 34 years old. And I realized yeah. that I still didn't want to have kids, but I wasn't comfortable saying no. And yeah. now, like, it turns out that 
you know, being a mom is the sort of the best thing in my life. I don't know what he just knocked over, but basically, <laughs> like, <laughs> it's my favorite thing. You know, it's my yeah. favorite thing. Like, I don't really, I love the, I love the work I'm doing and all of that stuff. But like, the, you know, the reason for it is um, to be able to provide for my son, and that's the most important thing to me. Um, yeah. But I could have very easily have been convinced to not do it you know to like not take the step just get get rid of it i remember thinking to myself like um how wrong it was that um voluntary hysterectomy was frowned upon in the medical community which it is for it is for straight women very frowned upon it's very hard to get a hysterectomy as a as a straight woman if you haven't had children i told so why are they doing this to 17 year old girls yeah, I well, I told somebody who was looking at doing that as well, um, and they were complaining about it. Um, and they they were like, they they were like, um, she's older too, and she's like looking at getting a hysterectomy, and she said that's they won't. It's like they won't do it. I'm like, just tell right. them that you're trans, because I yeah. I actually I have a friend that lives <laughs> in California. <laughs> I I have a friend that lives in California who needed one, like absolutely needed one for medical reasons. She had to tell them that she was trans in order to be able for them to do it in a timely manner. That's where, mm-hmm. and that's socialized medicine. How that that's all playing out too. It's like they're prior they have to prioritize. Yeah, yeah and that's a mess. Absolutely, mess. but we are right at about an hour, just a little bit over. So, <laughs> where okay. can everybody find you, Libby? Um, I'm at Libby Emmons on Twitter, and I'm at the Post Millennial every day. Awesome. I love your stuff. Oh, and, and I'm going to be at the doing... Better Discourse. Wait, I'm going to be at Better Discourse uh, with Carrie in um, in April, uh, uh, April 23rd, 20, April 23rd or 24th. Damn, I'm so bad at this. I know. Uh, I have Fort it Worth, written Texas. on my head. <laughs> oh, tell everybody where they can find it. No, I, I, do, I, do, I don't. That's the only one oh, that I didn't pull up the, the, uh, the ad for. <laughs> I had it written down. And actually, again, you took the words out of my mouth because I was like, oh, and you're going to be. <laughs> you t- I, you am. Said it. I am. Gonna, I and am it's at the end of there. April 20th, April 20th. Something, something like that. But yeah. Yeah. But go to bettercourseevent.com. Better Discourse. Misinformed. Um, They're misinformed <laughs> MKE on Twitter. They keep talking about it. So you can find yeah. it there. Anyway, that's where I am. <laughs> well, Other again, than, thank you know, you. here in Brooklyn. So thanks so much, yeah. Sarah. I really thank, appreciate thank it. Thank you. Fun. This was awesome. Yeah, I, I really appreciate you coming on. And everybody, make sure you guys click that like and subscribe button. And uh, follow me across social media platforms. Follow Libby. And we will see you guys next time.